everyone to <clears throat> an interesting day on the North Shore of Molokai. I'm actually, of course, not in this setting, but there are, uh, uh, the weather is kind of like this, actually. I'm going to ask a technical question of our monitor. I have the closed captioning somehow is on my screen. How do I turn it off? Oh, yeah, that is a good question. Maybe Maria knows. Uh, oh, hide subtitle. If you click on the carrot to the right. On the... Um... Click on the live transcript where it says it. And you'll get a list of, and one of them will say show subtitle or hide subtitle. Uh, which one? It says live transcript at the bottom of your screen, possibly. Oh, there it is. Okay. Thank you. If you click on that, you'll see hide subtitles. Thank you. Welcome. I appreciate the uh, instructions of liberation from subtitles. <laughs> I, I need them when I'm watching TV, but I don't want them now. So. But let's, um, let's sit for a few minutes. Um, people still arriving, which is uh, wonderful.
vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Wonderful to see everyone <clears throat> back again um, after a very big week, as they all are really. It's a particularly big week in our our country, and I'm about to begin uh, teaching as part of a retreat um, with. Uh, other teachers and the head student in the UK uh, later this week on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And they retreated into this week with uh, just this family of sanghas. Um, is once a hybrid as our retreats seem to be these days. Uh, there'll be some wonderful, some of you actually probably in, in person in Lancaster, in the north in Cumbria or Lancashire. And um, than many of us online. Um, and the, th the theme of the, of the weekend retreat, I'm, I'm not gonna be teaching, but this is a, an entryway. Uh, the, the theme is, uh, the title is Awakening to the Koan of Your Life. And there's a quotation that uh, I believe Josh selected, maybe Josh and Trudy out of uh, Joan Sutherland's um, relatively new book, on koan practice through forest of every color. Uh, and here, here's the um, couple of lines that come from it. That we live in this complicated, noisy, movement-filled, emotion-filled, thought-filled world. A giant field of things constantly rising and falling. We're hoping to be increasingly at ease with the world as it is, which means looking for the through line underneath sound and silence, movement and stillness. We're looking for the through line underneath sound and silence, movement and stillness. So we, we know that we live in um, this world characterized by impermanence. Everything's changing, uh, mutual causality. Everything is actually just a reflection of one a large uh, event happening in these various forms. Um, and then dukkha, which is the dissatisfaction of our separation from these two realities and which, which we struggle. So that's the complicated, noisy, movement-filled, emotion-filled, thought-filled world um, that's constantly rising and falling. And we're looking for ease in, in this world, which is why we come to practice, usually. But looking for ease and comfort in the midst of that, herein lies the rub. How do we find the through line underneath uh, the sound and silence, she says, and the movement and stillness? And as I was, I was reading this, um, a couple of things came to me, but also a story just popped into my head this morning as I was thinking about the embodied enactment of such a thing. And I remember when I was engaged in um, my Hakoma training in Oregon, um, and Donna Martin, who's on today, she was with us and with Ron Kurtz. And we had, because we were practicing at a month long block for three years in August, we were in retreat for an entire month for three years in a row, we would have some days off. And one day we had a guide and took us um, 
kind of baby whitewater canoeing. It wasn't intense because the, we didn't really know what we were doing. Uh, do you remember that, Donna? I see your face, yeah. And so it made me think of this, this through line because I didn't have much experience. Uh, and there were, as I would watch people who've had more experience, I would watch them get in the water and then make it through these little waterfalls and things they were doing and watch how, what's the what's the line they took. And so some people went through with some grace and some people had trouble and, you know, just the usual. Um, but even if they were, quote, successful and made it through, they didn't all take the same line. And when we hold to a fixed view, any of you really, it kind of means trouble. So what I did is I watched other people. And I kept watching them and watching them because I, I hadn't done it. And I'm a, I'm a pretty good mimicker. I learned by this kind of example. So I watched people. Then I listened to my guide, my teacher, who said, do this, do that. This is the things you need to pay attention to. And then I watched the water. How did it go through this narrow place? When it spilled through, how did it turn? What was going to happen when it hit the next? I watched those things too. And I thought, this is, this is like practice. You watch other people, your friends, and you practice with them. You listen to your teacher and the teachings, uh, and you watch the water. You watch life as it is. And then I did all that, and then I plunged in. Suzuki Roshi was famous for a saying, and there's actually a small book, some of you probably have it, uh, which is entitled Not Always So. And it's a collection of some of his talks. And it comes from a phrase that he really, one of his favorite phrases, he said, it, it may be so, but it's not always so. <clears throat> In fact, here's um, a quote from one of his talks in which he used that phrase. He said, the secret of Soto Zen is just two words. Now, when you start a sentence, the major teach this is the secret, as everybody goes, oh, okay. The secret of Soto Zen is just two words. Not always so. And then he says, oops, three words in English. In Japan, two words. <laughs> Not always so. It's actually two characters. He said, this is the secret of teaching. It may be so, but it's not always so. He said, without being caught by words or rules, without too many preconceived ideas, we actually do something. And doing something, we apply our teaching. At some point, you have to put the boat in the water. You have to do something. Our practice is the doing, the action. So this is the secret of the teachings. Is this the through line, the not always so? I think that this is certainly an element in the koans, which we're going to be reflecting on in this, this uh, retreat coming up. Because in these ancestor stories, our uh, family stories since Zen, um, in the accounts, you can't easily find a place to stand. In fact, the stories are kind of, you, you enter them and it's kind of like a slippery, lively quicksand made out of certainty and doubt. And sometimes it's this way and sometimes it's that way. Sometimes there's a storm, and sometimes there's the sunlight, but there is a way through. There's an opening. If we're not too caught, you know, the, the wonderful first line in the Shin Shin Ming, the great way is not difficult for those who are unattached to their preferences. And it's important to notice what our preferences are, uh, but when it comes to life, you got to do something. You know, I could watch the boats, I could watch the water, I could listen to the guy, but if I didn't get in the boat and get in the water, 
I wasn't participating. In another talk, Suzuki Roshi said, instead of galloping about, which I love that because, you know, he was the small Japanese man who's very contained. And he said, instead of galloping about, and he's watching these 1960s young people in San Francisco, you know, <laughs> instead of galloping about, we walk slowly like a cow or an elephant. If you can walk slowly without any gain, any idea of gain, then you're already a good Zen student. Now, this is a tricky one, because here's another clue, because we're meeting one of our preferences to be a good Zen student. In one sentence, he plays both sides. Walk slowly without any idea of gain then you're already a good Zen student. Back and forth we go, back and forth. And, and one, one more small piece of this talk, he said, you may feel some resistance to this Zen way of life or to your life in the world, but don't be lost in resistance. I wanted to add this little part of the talk because it, it made me reflect on last week. And he said, do you understand? He would often say that when he would say something in English. Do, do you understand? If you are deeply involved in resistance or fight, you will lose yourself. You'll lose your strength, lose your friends, lose your parents. You lose everything, your confidence, the brightness of your eyes. Look at your face in the mirror to see if you're still alive or not. Look at your face on Zoom. Are you alive or not? He didn't say that. Even though you practice Zazen, if you don't stop being fooled, it won't help at all. Do you understand? Say it again. Let's practice hard while we're still alive, a little bit alive. Let's practice hard where we're still a little bit alive. And they said, thank you very much. Practice hard? What does that mean? You just talked about going slowly. Gently, no gaining idea, but are we still a little bit alive? So these are the things that these are the, and and so the word sometimes sometimes it's this way sometimes it's that way. And uh, one one of you sent a poem to me which was entitled sometimes, and then I remember David White has a poem entitled sometimes, and so I'm going to read these two pieces. One male, one female author, poet, uh, David White and Shinao Pu, P-U-G-H-Pu, I'm not sure how you say it, but um, both British, I'm going to be in the UK this weekend, both still alive, the same title and yet very different and related perspectives on, the, on this Dharma about sometimes. Sometimes. And both speak to the tasks of practice and the fruits of practice. So here, here's the first one. I'm going to start with the David White piece. It's, it's, it's an old poem. Uh, some of you have heard it many, many times, but it's, it always is wonderful. Sometimes, sometimes if you move carefully through the forest, breathing like the ones in the old stories, who could cross a shimmering bit of leaves without a sound. You come to a place whose only task is to trouble you with tiny but frightening requests. Conceived out of nowhere, but in this place, beginning to lead everywhere. Requests to stop what you're doing right now and to stop what you're becoming while you do it. To stop what you're doing right now and to stop what you're becoming while you do it. Questions that can make or unmake a life. Questions that have patiently waited for you. Questions that have no right to go away. That's a whole retreat, isn't it? Moving carefully through the forest. Suzuki Roshi walking like a cow or an elephant. <laughs> Slowly, moving carefully. Sitting like the old ones and the old stories. We're, we're, we're following our ancestors. 
we're following the path, but a path isn't a thing. It's an impression that was left because other people had been there. It's an indication like the old ones without making a sound. We're finding the through line below the silence, below the activity. And then we come to a place, and I love this, with tiny but frightening requests. Sometimes they don't seem so tiny when they're really frightening. But uh, And Suzuki Roshi would talk about with his students, he says, what is your inmost request? What's the inmost request? The deepest question. Coming, he says, <clears throat> conceived out of nowhere, but beginning to lead everywhere. This is how a practice is sometimes, isn't it? You think, why in the heck am I doing this? And why do I keep coming back once I've practiced or done a retreat? Not that pleasant. Like, what, what, is it, what is it that brings me back to this over and over and over? There's something, that request that keeps pulling you. And then, of course, that line, those lines that I repeated, to stop what you're doing right now and to stop what you're becoming while you do it. It doesn't mean literally to stop yourself, but to attend to. How are my preferences, my thoughts, my old unconscious uh, embodied habits creating this self that I think is going to be the through line? Stop what you're doing and stop what you're becoming while you do it. These are questions that make or unmake a life. This is our practice. Patience that, uh, excuse me, patience, <laughs> questions that have patiently waited for you. Sometimes my patients wait for me, but that was in the old days. Um, questions that have no right to go away. In other words, these are your, your questions. Sometimes, sometimes if you move carefully through the forest of your life, the forest of many colors, sometimes if you move carefully, breathing, breathing like the ones in the old stories, who could cross a shimmering bed of leaves without a sound, who could move with some grace in the world, come to a place whose only task is to trouble you with tiny but frightening requests. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment. Compassion's way, conceived out of nowhere, out of everywhere, really, but leading everywhere, opening us requests to stop what you're doing, to unveil this uh, self-ing that we do. Questions that can make or unmake a life that have patiently waited for you, that, that, that don't go away. You have to turn away from them. It's probably a good idea not to. So that's David White. Now, the poem that came to me that started this whole thing, after last week's um, presentation in last week's election here in the United States, sometimes by Shinog, P-U-G-H, Pugh. Sometimes things don't go, after all, from bad to worse. Some years, Muscadel faces down frost, green thrives, the crops don't fail. Sometimes a man aims high and all goes well. A people sometimes will step back from war, elect an honest man, decide they care enough that they can't leave some stranger poor. Some men become what they were born for. Sometimes our best efforts do not go amiss. Sometimes we do as we meant to. The sun will sometimes melt a field of sorrow that seemed hard frozen. May it happen to you. Very different feel, isn't it? And I'll read it again, but I'm going to change the gender since it's the he thing, even though a woman wrote it. Sometimes things don't go, after all, from bad to worse. Some of us are feeling this. Some years, Muscadel faces down frost, green thrives, the crops don't fail. Sometimes a woman aims high and all goes well. A people sometimes will step back from war. Elect an honest woman, 
decide they care enough, that they can't leave some stranger poor. Some women become what they were meant for. Sometimes our best efforts do not go amiss. Sometimes we do as we meant to. The sun will sometimes melt a field of sorrow that seemed hard frozen. May it happen to you. May it happen to you. May it happen to you. Things don't always go from bad to worse. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Some, you never know. Sometimes all goes well. And sometimes we step back, we take the backward step in order to become who we're meant to be. And sometimes our best efforts don't go amiss and we do what we're meant to. I think this actually is echoing Suzuki Roshi's practice hard. doesn't mean like this, fully, wholeheartedly. And sometimes the sun melts a field of sorrow. Sometimes the look on someone's face on the screen or in person, the touch of their hand, kind word, a generous offering begins to touch sorrow. And then the last line, of course, which is a generous, beneficent prayer. May this happen to you. So we see these tasks and challenges of practice about moving carefully, breathing, following the old ones, finding these uh, our inmost request, following it, even if it's frightening, staying with our practice. And we see these fruits of practice that sometimes Actually, something opens and we're able to um, move in the world with more freedom. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. So what about, what about you? What are some of the areas in your practice that uh, that's an edge of a task, a question that doesn't go away, a fruit of practice that is worth uh, claiming but not clinging to, because it gets tricky. I'm just enjoying the uh, the sort of portal that's in my image that holds these two sides of the storm and the sun. There's a kind of a holding. That's the containment part. But those of you that can see Ed, look at the image behind him. The opening. The expression, the doing something, the action. It's so lovely to see. These are the two, two sides. But please raise your hand. Please come forward if you'd like to meet. What's on your mind? What's in your heart? Those questions that have no right to go away. Those tiny bit frightening requests. You know, sometimes it doesn't go badly if you come forward. <laughs> Sometimes you do what you're meant to, to do. Hello, I'm fairly new to this practice, um, but I'm uh, excited about it. I, um, I couldn't help but think the whole time you were talking almost about something that happened to me. Sunday, I went to um, a collage workshop with a good friend of mine. <laughs> Happy Sparks. Uh, Yes. And uh, well, she leads it, I should say that. And um, I just went because I wanted to honor her. I'd been before. She said, just come and play. And um, so I got there and I had a really hard time playing. I, I really, I, you know, I didn't know I was going to have a hard time playing. <laughs> That's how it is when you come to practice, isn't it? You think, oh. <laughs> and um you know, I picked these dark uh, gray and blue shades and um, because they were calling me in, I kind of wanted to go into those dark places. Um, and the one thing I wanted to do was finish because the first time I went, I just gathered things and didn't make anything. <laughs> so the pressure was to finish something. And you had an um, idea that that would be an important goal to finish. Yes. Yes. So that was probably the biggest problem is I had that hovering over me the whole time. 
But, um, and then I had seen, it's a little complicated. I hate to take this much time. Um, but I, before I left, I thought I have collage materials here. I thought I want to take this and this and this, but she just said, come and bring just yourself and play. And so I'm like, okay, you can do this. And, um, very anyway. seriously play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Practice hard. And, um, the, one of the words that I saw that I really wanted to take with me was live boldly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, I just put that at the end on all these kind of dark, I had some blue ice, the ice melting, you know, and some dusky looking uh, pictures. But then I had this live boldly uh, that I put on top of it. And it was a little bold and I didn't really like the way it looked. But the, the long and short of that is that today, I looked at that piece of art again, right before this. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, I want to live quietly. I don't really want to live boldly. I've been seeking peace all my life and I'm getting it. I'm very excited about that. I'm being rewarded for what I've been seeking. And um, the live boldly, but underneath that sinking, seeking, I am so afraid all the time. I mean, fear is my master mm -hmm. and I'm just so tired of it. And I'm so, I'm keeping it, you know, high in my mind so that I can, you know, slay, <laughs> ideally slay the dragon. Um, but um, I really want to live quietly and the live boldly piece is what I wish I was in a quiet way. I wish that that would slay my fear. What if that's the most bold thing you could do? Well, yeah. <laughs> and that possibly the you're a human being, you're always going to have some fear. But what if you're no longer afraid of being afraid? And I don't mean to be clever. It's the fear of fear. I don't I can't wrap my head around that at all. Not yet. Uh, but I guess I could well, Lee, if, if, I, if I were afraid and uh, you knew me, would you be um, repelled by my fear? No. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do? What would I do? I just love you. I try to make you be comfortable. Um, no, you'd respond in a warm way, probably. Yeah. yeah did, did Kathy know that you're anxious? I, uh, afterwards I told her, yes, I mean, I didn't, really, I didn't, I just, I had a great time because the people were wonderful and I was in a great mood, but I was very aware. I'm a kind of a smart alecky person and I crack jokes and stuff. So I have fun. How but, did she respond if she knew that you were at least been anxious? How did she respond afterwards? Well, um, it was in a text. That's okay. <laughs> And I'm trying to remember exactly what she said, but because I told her, I said, I didn't realize I was having such well, a hard time. What, what impression did it have? On me? Well, it was calming. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, it was more, I mean, I knew immediately it was something I need to practice, but I'd have to, I mean, it's a practice hard thing for me. <laughs> it's, but you were, when you were talking, you were doing this just a moment ago. It's that connect. My point is, it's the connection. Whether you imagine caring for me if I'm anxious, or you remember Kathy sending you a text, which the content didn't really matter. What matters is the impact is that it did slay the fear a little bit. You begin to calm yourself, and that's your aspiration. So the bold thing isn't like the bold thing is the willingness to be intimate and to meet, and allow yourself to be cared for and to care for yourself. That's the bold thing. Okay, that I'll I'll take that away. Thank you very much. Then do the next collage on that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I was going to go in there with no purpose. <laughs> I mean, just use that as the frame. You don't have to. I just thought okay. it'd be interesting. All right. Kathy will help you. She's a good teacher. Uh, yes. Thank you. Hi, Flint. Hi. I wanted to come and say hi because I'm not um 
I'm not going to be able to come this weekend. Very tender. I've got my boy at home and he's still really poorly. Ah, uh, oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. So I just wanted to come forward and say hello today instead. So do you, as you look out and see the other people that are here, and now that they can see your tenderness and your concern about your son, and now they know that it has to do with that, take their care in, because now all those people are starting to feel some compassion toward you. So let it fill your screen, let it fill up the whole sky. Feel your heart. Maybe things won't go from bad to worse. Maybe the sorrow will be able to be melted by their our, our shared care. And everyone is offering that blessing for you. May it be may it be that way for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how old is your son? He's thirteen. Routine. What's his name? Do you mind saying? Bren. Okay. Good. Then you smile when you say it. Yeah. He's um. He's he's doing a bit better, but I'm as he's starting to do a bit better. I'm running out a little bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, when you're not having to hold the whole thing together, you allow your parts to start to, the shakiness that you've been holding is there. Yeah. Yeah. And just like Lee, it's it's the, the weaving together that helps us hold. So that's really great that you step forward. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We're sending healing energy for both of you. Thank you. Hello, Cass. Hey. Um, I raised my hand because I really wanted to have a question, but I didn't have a question. But what I think I really wanted was just the interaction. And so moved by what she had just spoken that I wanted to, to let my offering of that come forward in a more verbal, more stronger way to you. To, to Emma? Yeah. And her son, right? Yeah. Well, the, you know, you, the question that you came forward with is the question of uh, how, how much you really want to connect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. That could be a content question. It's the embodied connection. And I, yeah, and I guess that I'm also still noticing um, a withdrawal. And so it's it's nice if I'm also noticing a coming forward is really good balance. There. Yeah, you got the both sides here going on. Uh, it's just uh, it's a little hard on the engine sometimes when you have your foot on the brake and the accelerator at the same time. <laughs> but, but you know this. And, uh, yeah. So good to... Uh, just your willingness to Cassie to come forward without the knowing to come forward in the mystery and to come forward in the not knowing to come forward in the willingness that's that's the spirit of the through line that we're talking about and it's also a wonderful invitation uh, for the rest of the people here today that oh you don't have to have like a zen question you don't have to have a... you don't have to perform yeah, yeah. sound good. That's not the point. Uh huh. Or be a good question. Ooh, I got the best question. Uh, yeah. um, and it's there's always the question, but it may not sound like a question. It, it's that's why I like that that idea of the inmost request. It's that request that comes forward that that pulls us, that nudges us, or, or pushes us from behind a little bit. And yeah. then we begin to find out that those requests actually are not that different. And usually they have to do with wanting to be seen and heard and understood and loved and cared for. Do you see me? Are you listening? Yeah. Do you choose you me? Yeah. yeah. 
It's interesting, you know, you put your hand up and then uh, Jessica or Maria will put you on. It's like, okay, now you're chosen. <laughs> From, yeah. so maybe a small thing, but it's kind of nice, you know. Yeah. I uh, did the uh, writing intensive with uh, Judy Myers and Clayton this weekend and uh, just really enjoyed it and had not, you know, the last couple of intensive I've done have been Zoom intensives, which are... Uh, really really wonderful but not nearly as hard as for me to get up and down from that cushion all day long and uh, uh, have the embodied practice of uh, being the monitor oh you were timekeeper monitor yeah and that was my first time to do that and I just loved it thank you yeah so now, when you embody it, when you actually do something, like we said, then it's it comes home. Yeah, and I think about practice. Feel the sound coming up from the bowl from from an action that I took was different. And to stand up is a real thing. Yeah, to sit yeah. down is a real thing. It's not just something in between things you're doing. Yeah, everything is sacred. Everything is complete. Thanks, Kathy. Hi, Sid. Hello, Flint. Hey. So when you said, uh, gave that uh, Suzuki Roshi, it may be so, but it's not always so. What came to mind is that list I gave a couple weeks ago in my talk, um, rare, incurable, progressive, and always fatal. Well, on one, on one level with life, it is so. Yeah. Another level with the diagnostic, it may be so, but not always so. About that particular thing. About that particular thing, yes. And so to do that kind of sort uh, process, um, felt like a felt like a freedom, uh, something something lifting mm -hmm. um, to consider a, a freedom, a lifting of fear or a lifting of resistance. And that's right. that's about yeah. My own person. You're actually saying that you understand what it's like to actually. Let a koan invite you through. Your koan is about the, the diagnosis. Yes. On the relative level, mm -hmm. maybe so, maybe not so. On the absolute level, yes, it's always like that. Exactly. And so how do you move from a dualistic point of view? They seem like two truths. Mm -hmm. so, true, it, there's not two truths. There's just mm -hmm. all of this. Yes. I've been really playing with shifting between the relative and the absolute a fair amount lately um, with uh, the studies in our um, deepening practice group here uh, and and just the considerations of when it is true and when it's not true or when, you know, maybe true, but maybe not true. Um, it just is such a rich, it's such a rich environment to play in. Yes, exactly. It opens up. And like Lee said, the invitation was just come play. And when you open up that rich environment to play in, mm -hmm. something, be, something comes up. Mm -hmm. yes. you. you think you know what you're up to, but yes. then life meets you. <laughs> it shows you something else. Right. That's right. And what I noticed, and I'm so grateful that Emma stepped up. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because I noticed in the chat function, so many people are responding to her. Yeah. I would guess that it's very similar to what happened to me, is that being in that place of, of openness, I really felt my connection to her. And I'm seeing in the chat function that so did so many other people and probably everybody here at some level. Emma, thank you so much for speaking up and for you know, letting us in with your situation. Um, yeah. From a dualistic point of view, there's storms and there's freedom from the storms and the beauty. But what's in between is the portal. Mm -hmm. There's a space that opens. 
if yeah. you don't get a test, is it a stormy day? Is it a good day? Is it a beautiful day? Is it a great? Well, <clears throat> it's this day that we're a little bit alive. Yes. She said, a little, maybe we're a little bit alive. Yes. Our practice is a little bit alive. Yes. So she, we have compassion for Emma and her son, yes. but really it's the heart of compassion. She's the portal. Her son is the portal, but it's the compassion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With you mentioning the weather, we woke up to our first snow here in Madison. <laughs> and, and, you know, some of us went back to bed as soon as we noticed it. And some, and then when, if, when you go out in it, the trees are, the trees are covered and the red berries that are on some of the trees come shining through the snow. It's just magical. It's so is it a cold snowy day yeah is it an absolutely beautiful shining day absolutely yes we've been watching our preferences here we've had such a terrible drought and we begging 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 for rain and so just as our construction for redoing the house started it started pouring down rain day after day after day after day <laughs> <laughs> apparently it's a rule of construction. Of construction yes as soon as you start it yeah. 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 Oh, well, watch what you wish for. But it's, is it this or is it that? Well, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. That's the best, Cohen. Thank you so much, Flint. Enjoy your snowy day, your beautiful day. Absolutely will. Yeah, it's just the sky. Is it a sky that holds us or a sky that blows us open, like I was saying with Ed's picture, you know? Yes. Hi, Rosemary. Hi, Flint. Um, so um, there were a number of things in the talk that really um, hit me. Um, so Suzuki Roshi talking about resistance. And um, I'm getting in touch with um, a fear of nightfall. It's not, I, I'm saying it's not really a fear of the dark, but when it gets to be night, there's discomfort, um, which was always avoided with my nighttime practice. I always had work. Wow. And work. now I, you know, as I've allowed patients to go and not replace them, I have my nights. And um you show I, up. Hmm? They don't show up, you show up. Well, here's the thing. I, you know, I find myself, you know, um going from the news to TV. And that's, you know, if I don't have patience at night, that's what it is. So it's not, it just doesn't feel like a choice. And um, so those are the protector parts. Absolutely. So what are you protected from? Well, it's all historical stuff that happened in my house, you know, growing up at night, you know, that's that's the, the storyline, which I that, know yes. well, yes. but what's in you in that um, Well, kind of what do I do uh you know what do I choose to, you know what do I choose um how do I be with myself yeah how do I yeah thank you that's that's a really good way to put it um yeah so say, say the question look at me and say the question like you're asking me okay how how do I be with myself how, how do I be with myself yeah, so first just notice what it's like to say that question honestly Something moves already. It's really upsetting. Okay. And do you, can you tell that I'm listening? Yes. And that I take your question seriously? Yes. Okay. That's, that's, that's a lot right there, isn't it? Because I would imagine we don't need to go down the psychological road, but I imagine not many people attended to you in that way. When you said, I don't know how to be with myself, nobody said, oh, honey, here, let me help you, you know, or even heard it. This is what our practice does. It opens this Dharma gate, just like we've had with everyone who's spoken so far, of turning toward each other to stop what we're doing, to stop what we're becoming while we do it. Yeah. 
and I. So ask me a question again. Okay. Um, how do I know how to be with myself? I think that's the question. It's a little different question, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Remember yes. what the first one was? How do I be with myself? How? Yeah, yeah. How do I be with myself? How do I be with myself? Yes, yeah, see, I don't. The question. How the chuckling? What's the chuckling? What? How is happening now? I'm just laughing at that. I I couldn't get the question right somehow, or oh, just about I, right. that I that I elaborated it. Well, you're laughing because you've made more space. Oh, that's good. You made more space. A teacher, an old Tibetan teacher, one time said to me, we were talking about humor. He said, humor is making space where there was no space. That's lovely. And so, yes, you may feel some tears, you may feel some sorrow, you may have some memories, but also as we are together, there's something you realize, oh, this isn't quite as solid as I thought. I don't even remember exactly. Then you laugh, and then suddenly there's a little space. That's what our practice offers, is a little space, not a solution to a problem. The space in which all of this is held it doesn't look quite so much like a problem. It's just like weather. Your breathing is different now. Yeah. Can you feel it? I can see it, hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So say the question one more time to me. How do I be with myself? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> it's become a joke, okay? I know. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an answer, okay? Okay. Like this. <laughs> okay. In other words, pay attention to yourself. Let yourself be with yourself. Sometimes it may take a little courage if you're feeling the sadness or the anguish. Sometimes it may be delightful. But just taking what Dogen called the backward step and turn your light inward. And you do that with the forms because I know you're committed to practice. You sit. You come to retreats, you study, you do a lot of things. And because you were a dancer, you understand forms, you understand using, it shapes you over time. That's how you meet yourself. It's like, oh, when I'm in doubt, I just be curious, turn towards my body, see what's here. If you need to reach out, like we've been doing today, we reach out. But to say the real question to the person, like you just did to me, like I invited you to do. How do I be with myself? It's like, oh, I don't know. Well, let's just be ourselves. Let's be ourselves. Wow. Let's be ourselves. Okay. Even from the beginning, that's what Lee was talking about. I be myself here, you know? Yes, I really, I related to everybody, you know, yeah. in Lee's sphere and yeah. So are you, do you feel um, a little more spacious than when you started? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was sitting today and um, kind of holding this fear kind of lightly. And um, I asked it, you know, well, well, if you could shift into something more comfortable, what would you be or do? And it said that it would like to, well, fear says that it's tense it, that was the best it could do and it said that it would like to um um ride on the breeze oh that's nice so um yeah that so this hour let's ride out on the breeze of your breath so i'm going to mute my microphone and would you then do the four practice principles three times and we'll do them with you okay this is what you can do with yourself now. Is that okay? Thank you. Okay, here, here we go. Okay. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only, <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> You're doing just fine. <laughs> the only. The only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you. Is that all three? One more. <laughs> 
flint, you're terrible. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. <sighs> each moment. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. The spirit of willingness and offering yourself fully and stumbling along if you stumble, that's the most beautiful practice. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. <clears throat> Jessica? Yes, thank you, everyone. Um, as you know, Alpamata's programs and facilities are supported uh, through your generosity and your contributions in every way make such a huge difference. I've placed a link in the chat if you'd like to make a contribution on the website and a link um, for Flint as well. Thank you for being here and now feel free to stay after if you have time for the um, after inquiry on the porch with Maria. Thank you.